Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead. I am your host, Len, and I am joined here today by our good friend, John Bolding. Howdy, y'all. By our good friend, Ian Boudreau. Hey, everybody. And our good friend, Brian Sheflu Boo Smalley. Hey, what a do. And uh, yeah, we're we're here today to talk about um, what has been my full time job for the last three weeks uh, since we got review code, I think, four days before the uh, the launch uh, Baldur's Gate three. Um, we've we've sort of uh, we've sort of staked our claim in the part of the Venn diagram previously that these sort of tactical sort of infinity esque RPGs qualify as a tactics game we're we're just we're just gonna we're gonna run with that um it's also just probably the biggest story in gaming this year i, I won't does that sound myopic or do you think it's i'm I, it's fair to say that at this point uh, i think i think that's fair i mean as it's long this, as you put uh, so far on it <laughs> so far yeah. yeah well i mean and then what is what else is there there's there's tears of the kingdom really and that's not that's a game that came out. It's not so much a story like. Um, yeah, I, I don't feel like there was even a, there was not even a tenth of the discourse around Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> just a good Zelda game. <laughs> That's ten times story. Make highlight clips, ten, ten times less discourse. Right. right. It was like everybody just thinks it's cool that you can build a Rube Goldberg machine in Zelda now. Mm-hmm. That was that was the story. Um, to, to be fair, the right. It is cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so. Let's see. John, I'm going to start with you just because I think you are the most D&D literate out of everybody here. So why don't you tell me? I've in been your playing words, this game system for a decade. Uh, why don't you tell me in your own words, what is Baldur's Gate 3 for, for the, you know, two and a half people that maybe don't know? Baldur's Gate 3 is a computer role playing game we call those crpgs built on the dungeons and dragons 5th edition rules this is the system that's been called dungeons and dragons for a little over a decade now and is by far the most popular version of the rules that has ever happened uh even far and away outstripping the peak of the sort of uh, 80s dnd craze uh this is a big big game and people are very excited about it it is a huge mega budget rpg from a media property that is at the absolute height of its power and uh forsaking the way that these games have been made in the past based on DD, it is for the first time a turn-based game which means that it is encouraging you to use the abilities and interests that you have towards the sort of more wargamey roots of tabletop role playing in the first place the more strategic and tactical sets of decisions to be made around uh, what to pick uh, what kind of classes to bring with you on your adventure what sorts of characters that you want to use and especially how you want to sort of build your role playing game characters to work together in a tactical environment as a group and on the higher difficulties it does a great job of challenging you uh with that stuff it also has a bunch of like kissing and stuff but i don't care about that (laughs) that's that's what i'm here for i'm 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 here for having wizards and making them kiss but 
yeah, Brian, what's your history with D&D in general? Uh, well, I think it's important to go all the way back to Romance of the Three Kingdoms. No. Uh, <laughs> somehow. Somehow, somehow I knew you would work it in. Yeah. Somehow I'd it. like to bring that into this. No, I can't. Uh, I would love to. I am. I, I didn't grow up playing D&D. Uh, I, 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 I know D&D because I know Warhammer. And so, like, you know, the, the two are kind of inextricably linked, but I didn't actually play a lot of D&D. Um, and because I worked in restaurants uh, for so many years, uh, the ability to be awake when four other people are awake and coordinate anything <laughs> close to a D&D session is impossible. Yep. Um, so so I've played a bit of D&D here and there, uh, but I, I will tell you that I played the living shit out of like Champions of Norath and those games back on like the PlayStation 2. So that's like comprises the majority of my D&D. That and reading novels. I have read Dragonlance and Forgotten Realms and all that stuff. Like I love that stuff. So yeah, for Chris me, Jordan guy. Uh, I'm not a Dristorn. Like Dristorn's cool, but I think Jarl Axel's cooler. Yeah. So like, I mean, I because I'm an adult and I understand that things happen. Um, <laughs> but but I I do think that this is a, is a playground at its core. This game is a playground for us to play with our action figures and it just kills it in that regard. It kills it in the imagination zone. If I had kids and I wanted to play a D&D game and I had like or someone modded this to like have like a PG version for for teens or something or not teens, you know, young adolescents, that would be incredible. Um just as a just as a way of expressing yourself creatively, I think that this game is is outstanding. I think that's what it does better than anything else is that it just lets you be creative and if if you want to be creative and murder people great grand you got options if you want to be creative and steal and deceive and lie and do bard stuff through the whole game great do that and if you want to have a a a a romance with a woman who puts the fear of god in you and shoves (laughs) you down and grabs you by the throat well i'm in luck because laser exists uh and she is not, great. Not, not, not just any god but maybe the angriest god that has ever existed in anything yeah <laughs> i was she's I'm a day so one, mad all I'm the a, time <laughs> i'm a day one angry woman appreciator uh lazelle appreciator uh, I, uh, I trust a mad woman because a mad woman is going to be real upset if you fail and so you got to put in that extra work so i i'm all in with that that's good stuff for me she she never she never i'll give her this she never requires you to read social cues you you always (laughs) know what lysel is thinking (laughs) (laughs) that's yeah that's the kind of romance i dreamt of for so long growing up in the south with all the you know uh you know pageantry and and things of that nature. I, I just want to be like you now. It's like great, perfect. And then you wonder why I want to live in Germany. <laughs> there, hey, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> um, solved, right? I think yeah. I have to jump in and say that for exactly those reasons, uh, Brian. Brian's right, which is that unlike a lot of other past games with the Dungeons and Dragons brand on it, and I think that longtime listeners of the podcast might know that I'm a sort of a notorious. Uh, computer RPG hater, uh, not not necessarily full on hater, but like critic, simply because of the lack of freedom that the games are willing to provide. But uh, Baldur's Gate three has really they've tried really hard and they've made a real attempt to let you 
pull off the kind of stupid bullshit that people pull <laughs> off with the spells and abilities in role-playing game campaigns and even stepping to sort of the outside of combat options like you want to climb that wall but no one in your party can jump 20 feet vertically build a pile of boxes and climb it right like baseline simple stuff is totally an option like they the only thing they stop short of is like, like sort of classic D, like well we know this wall and this wall in the dungeon are connected by a common barrier let's just fucking get out the picks and shovels like they don't quite let you go there but they let you get away with a lot of stuff and you can watch a ton of clips of people being like uh having built elaborate traps and luring npcs to stand by a pit so they can push them into it like all kinds of things like yeah. this are it's options simply in ways that past D D games have completely failed to embrace that spirit of the of the genre broadly it's it's a game that really does not want to tell you no. Like if there's a way within the engine that they can say like yes and to your dumb idea, they will do it. Like I mean, the best the best thing about tabletop D and D is when it's those moments where your most annoying player at the table uh, says something like, "Hey DM, can I do this?" And when you've got a good DM, the answer is. You can certainly try. And the, I think Baldur's yeah. Gate 3 does a really good job of leaning into that aspect of the game. Yeah. The the the, the couple times that I've come across a DC 30 uh, skill check and I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm fucking doing this. I don't yeah. know what's going to happen, but you just gave me the like biggest red flag of like you, you know, this yeah. is going to be something big. Guidance, Cat's Grace. Uh, yeah. yeah. Inspiration. Yep. We roll advantage. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Like I think the two things to me that are like the most emblematic of this are one of them is there's a house that you get to uh, fairly early on that's boarded up. And I believe this is specifically made to train you how to think about this game, because I did like the control click where you can basically attack anything to break the boards. But then I was kind of clicking too fast. So I clicked it again and Lazel just like fucking chops the door down. And I was like, oh, why have I been using lockpicks this whole time? If it's made of wood. I can just chop it down. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's true of everything. If it's metal, you have to do 22 damage to it to damage it, which is pretty difficult. But you still can. Like, you still could just blow your way through, like, every obstacle pretty much in the game for the most I see part. A lot of, I see a lot of Will Slander <laughs> online, but let me introduce you to my friend Eldritch Blast. Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, the yeah. door remover. Jesus, this is amateur hour. Shatter. Shatter is a spell. <laughs> All right. yeah, great. It ignores oh. objects <laughs> toughness. There's also later on when you get disintegrate. I was talking about this on Twitter. But. That like the the <laughs> there's there are some battles later on in the game that I feel like are supposed to be pretty hard, except that there's nothing stopping you from sending two invisible wizards into the room and hitting the boss with disintegrate before he even has a chance to react. <laughs> I'm just doing like 150 damage right off the top. My ranger's still in stealth. She can still finish him off if he has four hit points left or what like it's not gonna stop when you the from turn order comes like around that. and he's surprised oh no <laughs> yeah. um but yeah the other one was the fact that like 
it's kind of like assumed like common wisdom that when you start a dialogue in an RPG, the whole party is kind of standing around participating in the conversation. Um, and I guess this was also true in the Divinity games, but that's not true in Baldur's Gate 3. So you can talk up a guard. There's a hilarious clip of somebody doing this in multiplayer online. Uh, you can talk up a guard with one character and then you can s select a button to switch a character who is not involved in the dialogue scene and they can go right behind their back and just like take the giant chest of evidence and just walk out with it. <laughs> like that that's another thing that is like heavily like not only allowed but rewarded in Baldur's Gate 3. Um yeah Ian do you have do you have a background with D&D? Uh, I do. It's uh, so I grew up um, in an area and household that was uh, hit pretty hard by the 80s satanic panic, Jack Chick, anti-D&D yeah. uh, thing. So like my folks had uh, like legitimate terror about like the potential influence. So it was obviously banned, which um, uh, served to inflame my interest like nothing else could possibly have ever done. So by the time I did, I think when I was probably 12 or 13, I found a box of D&D books um, in a friend's attic or their like their sons had gone off to college and they, you know, had me just messing around in their room and something while my folks were visiting. So I found this book with a monster manual. This is all AD&D stuff, I think. So I just I would go over there and just read that stuff voraciously whenever I could. But I didn't really get a chance to play it until college. Uh, and, uh, right around that time, Baldur's Gate one came out. So that was kind of like my first real experience. And then since then I've had a chance to play, um, a couple campaigns with friends online, especially during the pandemic. Um, but you know, finally playing Pathfinder and, um, and then switching to 5e, um, eventually that's, that's basically it. Most of my experience with Dungeons and Dragons has been through games, uh, through, through, uh, CRPGs as John yeah. correctly categorize uh, them yeah it's funny because i'm when we're gonna play the let's see if i can make john vomit challenge but uh in the 90s i was one of those world of darkness people <laughs> early <laughs> 2000s more like or i was like oh no this is a storytelling game D D, that's like just that it doesn't even understand the darkness of my soul and it doesn't even there's not even any real drama there's no mechanics for interpersonal drama in dungeons and dragons World of Darkness is so much better. Um, but I did. I also played D&D. I, I, I started with 3.5 and we, we I think that was like the big thing most people were playing about. And I got into the hobby. Maybe 3.0, like very early on, but 3.5 is the one I remember being like, OK, yeah, people who are my age, a lot of us, I think that was their first edition. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I've always loved crpgs so um did, 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 did i, I am, i'm forced to state for the record i hate no <laughs> i hate no tabletop role-playing game system except for the ones designed by evil people like oh yeah like racists and uh church burning murderers and things like that <laughs> yeah yeah the ones that have actual well it, fu funny enough i was gonna say the ones that have actual racism built in but <laughs> Even D&D &D has some issues, some long running issues with uh, 
with fantasy racism that the Baldur's Gate three almost has some interesting meta commentary on, I think. But I know, John, you wanted to you wanted to touch on that. Oh, mostly I just think it's funny that when you meet a hag um, who's an evil hag, she has a customized set of insults for every different race in the game. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that she uses on you. I think it's unfair to call her an evil hag. I think she's just a different hag. She's she's got her own perspective that she comes from, and uh, we need to respect. Them. Look, man, <laughs> Baldur's Gate three may have removed the uh, alignment line from everything in the game, but I spent you know twenty some years of my life here memorizing the alignment of every creature in a monster manual. So I know. Oh, I know. Well. It is interesting because Baldur's Gate 3, it doesn't let you play as the quote unquote monstrous races that have sort of become playable, especially this edition more more actively, uh, which I assume is just a development resources thing like that. They, they already have 29 sub races or something that have their own models and like Dragonborn have their own reptilian penises that have been specifically modeled for them. Uh, <laughs> to give you an idea of what kind of game this is, but uh, so but uh, the way they treat what have traditionally been the quote unquote monstrous races is kind of interesting because the first time you meet a goblin, she's locked up in this cage and they're about to execute her. And one of the things you can say is like, no, don't do that. And they're like, why? And you're like, because she's a person. And then it's just like, it's like the dial-up AOL connecting sound. Like, they're, like <laughs> I've never thought about this before. Um, but like every goblin in the game has a name and you can talk to them and some of them you can trade with. And like, you can go into the goblin area and just kill all the goblins, you know, party like it's 1999. Um, but you also, there's only like two of them that you have to kill. And you can you can spare the rat if you if you actually want to go through it role playing as a character who's like, yeah, that's kind of fucked up that we just consider certain humanoid races to be, you know, fine to murder. Uh, they've they have gone out of their way to support that playstyle, which I thought was cool. This is actually, yeah. I think, my favorite thing about the game, um, which is that yeah. not just goblins, but almost everything is not a mob but an NPC, like everything, yeah. almost everything that you fight is an yeah, NPC. like every single and, squirrel. Yeah. You mm-hmm. could have a conversation with every rat in the, go- in the, uh, um, the goblin fortress, for instance. Yeah. I mean, most stuff mm-hmm. has, like if you have speak with beasts, you can, you can talk to any animal pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the exception of like some undead and constructs and some stuff like that, I mean, everything, it, everything is a character and it adds this, incredible weight i think to um to every combat encounter like you're fighting people who you might not have to fight what if i had yeah. you know what if i'd had a what if i'd played this differently what if i'd approached them and, and you know and <laughs> offered a truce i've i what is it like i'm in act two someplace and i convinced two horrible boss creatures to um not only not kill me but uh, either kill themselves or or dematerialize in, in creative ways. So like it's, I don't know, that changes everything pretty dramatically, I think. Like knowing that you're not fighting mindless hordes of Diablo creatures 
it's and they make you they make you feel yeah. bad so bad about like if you decide to just attack everyone like you'll kill a bandit and then you'll be looting the bandit and you'll notice that bandit has a name and you'll fish a note off their corpse that's from like their mom who's like hey yeah. how you doing uh can't wait to see you when the harvest rolls around you know Baldur's gate's dangerous make sure you're not associating with shady people it's like damn like <laughs> There's you're a, really pulling my emotional heartstrings here. Yeah. There's there's a uh this is act two, so spoiler alert if anyone listening hasn't gotten there yet. But in the um Moonrise Towers, there's just a, a guy that you fight who's just a lackey of one of the bad guys in the Moonrise Towers. You kill him and he's got a note from his wife, and it says that he's like he's tired of being here and he can't wait to get home to see her. And I was just like, yeah. oh man, that's fucked up. Dude, why did you choose to work here of all places? <laughs> it doesn't even have like absolute, like like the sort of um, I've been possessed by the absolute, my brain is not my own type stuff. It's just like, yeah, I'm not happy here. I can't wait to get home and leave. And it's like, bro, why are you here? <laughs> why You know people are coming to fight. <laughs> To, to some degree, I can't be responsible for everybody's bad life decisions. <laughs> yeah, there's also on the on the topic of like monster races, I I'm playing as a dragonborn. I don't know if y'all are playing as humanoids or not, but the dragonborn and the tiefling often have conversational remarks that are like, get a lot of this racism. And then the dragonborn response is like yeah man i fucking know <laughs> it's very funny to like it's very funny to have those brief moments of like fucking people are racist as shit to tieflings and dragonborn right oh, <laughs> are you, you, are you playing as a as a chromatic dragonborn like red black white blue green i am a bronze dragonborn okay I, I was wondering if it was like double racism and it was only for the quote evil dragons but it's for all it's for all dragons. yeah, well, they, yeah don't, but I mean, they don't it, care oh. yeah i think that they're just like dragon people gross um <laughs> i mean like, i can't yeah that, oh. that's that's a tough one but there's also like i could see them adding monstrous races into the game because like there's clearly uh the the ability to play this whole game evil exists the ability to play as a there are plenty of bugbears that you meet in the game who you can converse with so i don't know why and and some of them are not evil so i don't know why there wouldn't be maybe either a mod or or a, an update down the line that allows you to uh roll those yeah in in um I got like minor plot point in act three, but there's there is kind of a refugee crisis going on and you meet a hobgoblin who's just like, yeah, I'm at the bottom of the list to get into the city just because I'm a hobgoblin as if I have any control over that. So political. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, they're definitely making a, a concerted effort to move away from the idea that the, strangely, I don't think there are any full blooded orcs in this game. There's lots of half orcs, but I have not actually met like an orc orc. And I don't know if that's like a Watsy thing, like they're trying to get away from the uh, idea of orcs. I'm trying to think of Forgotten Realms geography, and I'm not sure we're we're close to any big time capital O orc homelands or anything like that. Uh, so. Maybe y'all can shed some light on this, because that's something that I don't understand, is that like why do they think that only having half orcs is better? No, they don't necessarily think that. Okay. Like, I, I don't see for me, like in my brain, I'm just like orc, half orc, have them both. Right. Like, why would you be like, we, we, we don't have full orcs? Like, is, I think it simply may be a coincidence of the 
studio working on it. I don't think that's oh, okay. from the top or anything like that. Okay. I mean, you'll notice that they, they didn't seem to go out of their way to check every box of what quote should be in the game, which I, I dislike and admire at the same time, right? Like, I don't think there's orcs. I don't think there are uh, kobolds in the whole game that I've encountered, at least. Like, there's there there so, are kobolds. There are okay, there's there some are kobolds. Drunk, there are some drunken kobolds that you run into, and it it's not an essential area. But, well, that uh, seems racist, but okay. And there are <laughs> German dog goblins. They're they're, they're uh, not only well, they're not only drunk. They're so drunk that if you light them on fire, they explode. So okay, well, now you've come all the way back around and it's funny again. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Uh, the, yeah, it's it is set in the Forgotten Realms, which like I've always been kind of a Forgotten Realms. Uh, what's what's the, like a Forgotten Realms Scrooge? Like, oh, so similar to how I was like, oh, World of Darkness is so much better. I was like, oh. Forgotten Realms, that's just generic fantasy. Eberron is so much cool. I was I was really annoying when I was a teenager, but um I think it really Baldur's Gate 3, if anything, has like hit home to me that you can take a setting that's kind of generic, but as long as you have an interesting story to go with it, I don't really notice that. Like I never got to a yeah. point in Baldur's Gate 3 where I was like, yeah, this is this is just such generic epic fantasy. I want something uh, and they, you know, there's weird stuff that you know, they deal with a lot of the weird stuff that exists in the Forgotten Realms. That's cool. Um, like Mind Flayers. Um, I mean, starting off with kind of the weirdest stuff possible. Full yeah. body horror. Yeah. The, I, like, yeah, it's Forgotten Realms, but like opening, like just cold open to this yeah. Lovecraftian tentacle ship that's flashing yeah. through multiple dimensions as it's crashing and there's like uh, yankee dragon riders flying around right. it like shooting fireballs at like it's it's almost like the they were they they saw that i was like eh, divinity original sin is really slow at the beginning it doesn't really serve to get you invested in the story and they're like all right screw you you're on a tentacle ship being attacked by dragons what are you gonna do yeah so yeah so, I mean, you do similarly to Divinity Original Sin wash up on a beach, uh, but it's just it's, so hard. It's real <laughs> funny. Like there's just it, like building size tentacles that are just you know, strewn in these arcs that are, you know, now physical yeah. geography. And the, it's, it's amazing. And the tentacles don't stop <laughs> through the whole game. Tentacles. Mm -hmm. If you're squeamish about that. Get over it or, or don't play because that is uh, I got to uh, the end of act two and I was like, oh, more tentacles. Here we go. <laughs> yep. I mean, also, yeah, I mean, hey, look, timely for 2023, this uh, like a central mechanic to this story is brain worms. Yeah. And yes. Uh, oh, and encouraging your friends to get brain worms and brain so, friends and brain incredibly, friends. Yeah. Brain <laughs> friends. So extremely topical material, I'd say, for especially for yeah, Forgotten Realms. Yeah, well, there's so there's there's a mechanic where basically you can you can find other people's brain worms and you can add them to your own brain worm collection to get more psychic mind flare powers, which is Twitter. It is. Right. It really yeah. is, uh, which is is an interesting. I, I'm assuming I'm the only one who's finished the game at this point. 
I have not. <laughs> okay, I have not. yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was reviewing it, so I put an absurd amount of time over the last three weeks. But I'm I'm um, I'm, I'm unemployed currently, and or you know, between <laughs> jobs, and I haven't beaten it. It's it's a huge. I'm game. trying to review it, but I keep getting it's other. Such a monstrous too. game. I mean, yeah, Act Two. It, it took me 90 hours to get to the end of Act Two, so that's that is pretty far along. Um, so yeah, I won't say anything about whether or not there are consequences for putting more brain worms in your eye. There, um, you, but there has to maybe, be. I mean, there, that's like it's lampshaded a little bit. Yeah, right. Like it's yeah, it's so overpowered. It is so overpowered that you have to think the bill is going to come due at some point. But I sort, um, of, I sort of sidestepped that by giving all of my worms to one character in the party and no one else. And so they, <laughs> they're my friend. Asterion, because oh, okay. he's right. because he's a vampire, and as I understand vampires, he'll recuperate, he'll get better. Um, and so I figured, throw all the worms in Asterion. He likes it, doesn't really give a shit. He's a vampire, so he's already got like all this Wolverine ass regeneration power, and uh, and then you know everyone gets to benefit from his abilities without having to have uh, little worms eat their brains. Yep, can't see how this plan goes wrong. Should yeah. be fine. Yeah. <laughs> see, my favorite thing about Astarian is uh, when you, I mean, you might have already known he was a vampire and he thinks he's being all sneaky about it, even though it's the most obvious thing in the world. Um, but when you actually find out, find out he's a vampire, uh, he tries to feed on you, uh, you know, without your permission at night and you have the option to kill him. And so I did. You can just stake and, him right then yeah, and there. And the, the, game does not, the game does not penalize you for that. They're like, fair enough. In your eyes, he was a bad guy. We're not going to quit. This whole game is about you making your own moral judgments. Um, you can still go on and do 95% of the stuff there is to do in this game with him dead. He's he's gone. He's not part of this playthrough. Um, I didn't do that to anyone else. I, I, I came close with Lazel once or twice, but... Uh, I, yeah. I, I gave her the space she needed to um, find something else to be fanatical about that was less destructive to her and everyone around her. But, um, but that's, like, I, that's... I, I assume you could kill everybody. I mean, there is nothing ever at any point for the most part. I can think of like two exceptions that stops you from just holding down control and whacking somebody in the face with a sword. You you can try to kill anyone at There's any no time, armor. yeah, including yeah. your own party members. The, and the dark might, urge run yeah. definitely lets you accomplish that. Yeah. Well, and it's like this extends to so much of the rest of the game too. Like the um, you know, considering just thinking of the world of RPGs I've played in video games and the choices that I've been able to make, usually, um, I can't like this is on another level. I mean, there are so many decisions that you make, several of them, right at the beginning of the game that, like, I know that don't pay off right away, but do later on. But I mean, that immediately I can see this is going to be, you know, one kind of playthrough or a completely different one, um, depending on, like, for instance, in Act 1, you there's a druid encampment and there's a big fortress of goblins that is attacking them for reasons that become clear later. But um, you can pick either side and uh and and play the game that way later on when you are going to uh, approach moonrise towers you can there's three ways that you could do that 
you can go through the Underdark, or you can head up into the Mountain Pass and uh, and try your luck that way. And if you're cr- crazy, you can land. do both. Yeah, <laughs> like I. So, <laughs> I I've, I've I've I went with the Underdark myself, but um, yeah. yeah, like I, I, I'm curious about what would have happened if we'd taken the mountain pass. But like, there's so much, like you know, the story of one playthrough is going to be radically different from the story of a different one. You know, to include the cast of characters that's present for it, and uh, and the geography that you're going across, it's amazing. Like, and I, I don't know that I've ever played a narrative role playing game that's given me this much influence over the way that things play out ever. Yeah. There's, there's characters you can save in like the first four hours of the game or like they could die if you don't help them. And then you meet them again in act two and they can die there also, if you don't help them and then you meet them again in act three and they could also die there if you don't help them. But that's if you, the- if you the keep them of, alive for the whole game, they will be there for the final battle. <laughs> I was going to say that is the that is currently yeah. the least uh, completed achievement in the game. Is is, the, yeah, the save all the chieflings. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, because some of them can just get axed in the middle of the combat encounter, and like, there's nothing you can do about. It. Jahira, <laughs> you moron! She, uh, she suicidal AOE? lady. Did she get some? Did she get some uh, friendly fire? Uh, I spent two days uh, redoing Moonrise Tower over and over and over again just so Jahira would survive it. Okay, here's that, that fight at the Last Light Inn. Before that, yeah, where you first meet um, Isabel. That I, is, I had to play that one over a bunch of times. I have a oh. I have a text message chain that went on for five or six exchanges about how bullshit it is that there's no auto save before that fight. Yeah. Uh, I actually let every, I actually let that roll. I, I, I lost the last fight and just let that go. I was like, fuck oh, it, yeah. let's do this. The only, the like, it looks like everybody gets wiped out at the end, they, right? Like, they do. You yeah. have to kill them all. <laughs> I was so blessed rolling into this game because I had just reviewed Shadow Gambit, which is a stealth tactics game. Yeah. So it's oh, like, yeah, perfect. Yeah, it's just quick save factory. Everything you do, quick save. Kill a guy, quick save. Think about your mom, quick save. Look out the window, quick save, right? So that was it, right? Like going into Baldur's Gate 3, I was like, oh, well, I love F5. That's my friend, that quick save. I, I, just, I press that all the time. Sometimes I just rub on it, touch it for fun, because I just <laughs> want to be reminded how good it is to be in a world where I can press F5. Now, this, this game will teach you to save scum like constantly like i i think that's the ideal way to play it if but. only due to unexpected <laughs> physics interactions where you're like no i would not have blown up that yeah. barrel if i knew that it was gonna well, like, yeet my fucking goth girlfriend lazel into the underdark one time yeah no one time halson jumped through the corner of a wall and got stuck under the level it's <laughs> like all right I'm that's glad pretty I great was he, was he stuck under the level in the in the crypt um where you find like the science experiments no it was the bank vault but i'm, okay. I'm sure there's other places where this can happen. i think it's a halson specific bug yeah well the, it's the leap that he gets in his animal form that is like a super super leap mm-hmm. and the 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 level geometry just does not seem to be set up to handle it if you clip through something. I'm sure speedrunners will find a way to exploit this. It's like a Halson only run where you just turn into a tiger and, and clip through the walls. And yeah, that's probably probably going to show up somewhere. But 
Although I do love the current world record for, for I guess this is a minor spoiler, but the current speedrun any percent world record for Baldur's Gate 3 is Solo Gale, and he just he super he casts the super jump spell and bunny hops across the world and then blows himself up oh. Uh, oh. the first time you meet the final boss, <laughs> which is that's a valid ending. You can do that. That does remind me of uh, of the any percent uh glitch run for fallout 3 where you turn it as a baby you fall through the floor and then you run straight to your dad at the end of the game and you win um and so i'll just i i am this is one of those games where like the thought of agdq and sgdq uh the games done quick runs for this i'm so excited to see them oh, it's, gonna be great. it's gonna be great yeah yeah the other thing that I think really sets this apart is not just like the amount of stuff there is to do, but I said in my review, it's like the amount of stuff to do that is worth doing. Like, I can't think of a side quest where I was like, yeah, that was kind of lame. Uh, that just felt like filler. Like, it's like every random basement you go into is like, there's something going on down here and it's going to be its own like special, cool little adventure. Like, <laughs> It, a lot it of really rewards you for being very thorough. This is the thing that's that really jumps out uh, about this game to me. Uh, and it is it feels so much like the tabletop experience where you're, you know, together with I mean, whether you're playing this in co-op or not, I haven't tried that, actually. But um, but it, it feels like. Like the, like every single like you said, when uh, like basements, caves, little jaunts off the path. Yeah, the DM's there with you and some stuff's going to happen. And everything seems kind of like even, even the timing, like the, the amount of time that it takes to clear like a cave or a, a toll house that you decide to go into. Uh, like it, it feels very much like the tabletop experience of D&D that, that I've had anyway. I'm, I'm so impressed by that. Like it just seems like they've really committed to making this like to, to bringing not just the rules to uh, to a video game, but to bringing the tabletop experience to a video game which is great i think i think that that to add on to that um and and what you said lynn is like it's not just that the side quests are fun and good it's that the entire zone is filled with interesting shit even if there's not a quest um you just stumble onto a fishing town through a series of caves that your perception checks past and there's nothing there except for a letter from a dead guy that said gone fishing in then never showed back up again oh and there's there's all these things that there's these things that you fail and you're like, I got to go back and do that again on my next run yeah. and make sure that I can do that. Ever, I have not had a single character who can fit through a, a tiny hole. I don't have a gnome and I don't have a druid normally. And I've never bothered to like, oh, well, I got to go back to long camp and then fucking go back <laughs> here to this and make sure that I take house and with me to turn into a rat or something. I, gotta, uh, I just don't care that. But, but what I do is I memorize that and go, next time I play through these are the things I want to be able to access. And so I think that that's like an incredible uh, level of environmental storytelling for giving you purpose in replays. There's also a spell that turns your entire party into mist and lets them pass through small openings. So, yep. but I think that's you, a late get spell. That, yeah, it's, it's like level five or six. John yeah. probably knows exactly what. Level well, I mean, gaseous form, like gaseous form. is, is yeah, a level three spell. Three. So like, yeah. Oh, any is given, it really? Any given weirdo can do it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gale oh. can do it or whatever. 
I didn't have it when we were at the Goblin Fortress, though, so I couldn't explore those little crevices, unfortunately. But oh. I was mad that my familiar, I could call familiar at that point in time. And so my little rat familiar would not go in the hole. So I was I was also disappointed in the familiar's uh, inability to follow certain commands. Yeah. Did you guys yeah, find the greatest familiar though. in the game? Scratch. But scratch. Shuffle. I have no, not found but shovel. I saw, that, I saw that achievement, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" God, I love shovel. Only <laughs> I, two, I, only two percent of players have found <laughs> shovel, which I'm shocked by because I know everybody's gone in that weird basement where you find a neck. There's like a, a necromancy wizard. It's like the first little ruined town. Is that the one with this the, guy? The, the, He's got the, the book, a really evil book in his basement, right? Huh. There's oh, a, I, yeah. Which there's there's a scroll off, down there. By the there's way, which pays off way later. In Act Three, okay, there's well, a I... scroll down there that summons a cheeky familiar. It's not summon familiar; it's summon cheeky familiar. Ah, and that's how you meet Shovel. And just I... trust me, y'all. Just have your wizard learn that spell permanently and summon Shovel to do everything for you. It is that. See, I'm going to add that to the list. Mm, I've got to yeah. make sure that I grab Cheeky Shovel next time. I, I probably did not read the name of that scroll and sold it. That's Shovel's probably... a little asshole and. You summon shovel. It's a, it's a closet. It's a demon crawls oh, out of hell mid combat, and it just screams. It's fisting time, right? Like, oh my god, oh you my want this? God. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, I also like to shout out us as a great familiar. I love us, uh, not for the faint of heart, but I think us is definitely uh, a champion when you get him um, for is that the the- mushroom. No, us thing? is the brain. Oh. Oh. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, yeah us I think little... I killed us. Oh, yeah. So, spoiler alert: if you don't kill us, you get us back, and us is powerhouse when he comes back. No, I, I, uh, th- there's clearly a lot I have missed, even trying to do every single side quest. But you can't. Like, I, I mean, you, you cannot do all you, of it. I think you can't yeah, choose much every game. decision. Yeah. You have to. You have well, to make decisions. And like, there's a named character who just got like murked by goblins in that very first fight in front of the Druid Grove, and it's an it's like all the other named characters have showed back up later. What would have happened with them if they hadn't just gotten murked in the first turn of that battle? Like, <laughs> I, I want to know. Uh, yeah, I lied to Zevlor and told him that everyone was still alive at last light in. <laughs> no, because no. I need that extra help. <laughs> Yeah. Everybody's uh, fine. No, it's they're good. Yeah. How, how how far along are John and Ian? How far have you made it so far? Oh, I'm I'm, I'm go for it, John. Aggressively screwing around in Act One. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm in Act Two. I'm about to approach Moonrise Towers. I think I'm I'm kind of I, I'm doing some cleanup okay. uh, in the area before that. But I, I just uh, woke up Art Kala the. Um, Right, fist, yeah. The Flaming Fist who uh, was in the end, but yeah, so Moonrise Towers is next on the list, I think. Yeah, I've spent I've spent about 30 hours, I think, no, less than that, probably 15 or 20 hours in, in Act 1, just sort of like, I'll hit a spot and I'll be like, I bet I can break the game if I do this. And I'll just, <laughs> I'll mess around with, you know, trying outrageous power combos and the exact set of three or four spells that'll disable an enemy you probably shouldn't be able to kill for a long time Mm -hmm. um and i have actually managed to to kill more than a few like enemies that are functionally scripted to escape 
they'll totally let you kill them and it's oh, yeah. it's accounted for which is my favorite part uh yeah you gotta you gotta get that that shift space hot key down because if someone starts to run away i'm like shift space enter turn base mode no you don't <laughs> like because it'll stay in real time as they run away but you can trigger turn based at any time and then it's like yeah. ah, you have to oh, obey no. the movement rules now. I'm I'm talking like uh, characters that if they get even half a second will like cast a teleport to get away. Things oh, like really? that. Yeah, I'm f- I've been finding ways to kill those guys. I assume There's, that includes Hag. That is specifically because of anti ethyl. Yeah, I think I probably no. spent what that I've I've played for like twenty hours. I think I probably spent five of those hours fucking you, with, fucking with that Hag. <laughs> Were you able to do it? Were you able to do it in a way that you could loot her, or were you doing it the way that I've seen most people do it, which is casting silence and shove? Oh no, no, no! I'm talking about like uh, killing her in her oh, cabin. In her, in her cabin, before I, I she even gets a her. single turn. I had attempted to kill her as her old lady form out on the streets once. Yeah, but I, I'm gonna I try that next. Yeah, it didn't work for me, but maybe you have a a, a better plan than I did because I just swung at her. I have a. I have so many plans. Nice. Well, that's and that is one of the, that is the beauty of this game, right? It's like I have so many plans. I want to see you. I want to see you uh, try to kill in Act Two a young man called He Who Speaks. Um, <laughs> All right, and, uh, I'm gonna crack my knuckles and go for it. I, th- I thought that I'd seen the horniest stuff this game had to offer, and then I completed that <laughs> quest, and my character was like, "Wait a minute, what are these chat options?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna find out what's going on here." And then I was like, "You know what? That's that's the moment where it was like, this is a little bit more fetishy than I want to engage with." It is. It is like one of the horniest games I've ever played. Like without being like very sexually explicit. It is just extremely suggest like I said, I think that this game was written by like weird fan fiction people. And I say that in a very affectionate way as somebody who has written her share of weird fan fiction over the years. <laughs> like, I, I think it reflects like a lot of way the way people play D&D where like they like to make dick jokes. Well, and you that? can just yeah. there. there's just there's so many weird encounters you can get in like there's a there's a there's a drow sex worker at one point where you can ask him to role play as Driz Duarden. Pretty good jokes too. Yeah. Oh, and, he, yeah. And, like, you, and I had to see what it, what it was. And like I click it, he's like, oh not again. <laughs> it's like, but like, yeah, there's I'm the also hero of Icewind Tale, baby. <laughs> There, well, I think the exact dialogue is like, I, I shall take my double scimitars and slash <laughs> twice. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Um, but there's like, I mean, I don't know how much I want to spoil, but there's like, there's there's things that you would not think you would be able to hook up with that you can hook up with in this game <laughs> that goes beyond like the bare and you know what? This is why this is why I staked Asterian, because he could have found someone who consented to being bitten and probably in a sexy way. Right. right? Uh-huh. But but he decided to bite without asking. Yeah, consent. Yeah. And that's what that. happens to rude vampires. Uh, there you go. Well, you um, know, the, another thing yeah. I think that sells the sexiness of it a bit. And this is this is a little I don't know. This is all aesthetics, but like the way that the. Like the costuming and character design is done in such a grounded, like it's all fantastical, 
but these look like actual things people could wear, not like oh yeah. I don't know, like the insane. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm I'm not a huge f- armors and things. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the sort of post uh, World of Warcraft fantasy aesthetic. I like a more right. grounded, realistic. But, but yeah. I'm actually really impressed with how Baldur's Gate Three has dialed that back a little bit to looks like visually at least yeah. even the most outrageous stuff does look like something a human being and or heavily muscled half orc or whatever could wear yeah well what's, it's, I mean, it's hot it's, in a way that like this makes me feel hot it doesn't feel like oh this was put in to titillate people who are looking at my character from yeah, like an like, outside perspective like if you yeah. kill lazel and put on her armor <laughs> Oh, as a dude it's full leather daddy and you're like yeah <laughs> this is oh, for gosh. people who want to look like this this makes me so pleased I-, I wanted to ask if you like one of the first things i did when i was in camp was change everyone's underwear with each other i had my dragonborn bard wearing um shadow hearts uh v split <laughs> outfit yeah, no. Not yeah, only does great. everybody have unique underwear, but everyone's underwear has a unique handwritten flavor text description. Um, yeah, <laughs> that, like... I actually love that. Uh, I think jo- <laughs> Jody McGregor wrote for PC Gamer a little article. It's just called something like the greatest thing Baldur's Gate 3 has added to Dungeons and Dragons is underwear lore. Yeah. And it has, yeah. right? <laughs> like I now I now sort of emotionally canonically believe that the Githyanki of the Forgotten Realms invented sort of like bondage gear that's comfortable enough to day-to-day wear and that's how they roll well this is there's there's no other uh point that this will be a like a a appropriate to bring up but like that reminds me of the funniest bug that i think i've uh read about in years which uh they patched i think the first one of the first hot fixes was um githyanki penises b and c no longer clip through clothing which, yeah. which implies which, that they are rendering the penises. There. The penises <laughs> are yeah, always there. there. Don't need to. <laughs> you can turn this off if you don't want genitalia. You can easily turn this off. But Look, yeah. you say they don't need to render the penis, but at any moment, yeah, you, you know you it's can, there. Like that now. Now, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, uh, me personally, as as a as a man uh, who identifies as a man, whether my penis could be rendered when I have pants on or not, I need to have my penis rendered at all times. That is just <laughs> personal preference. You I know, always I, need I, it. I think that's reasonable. I think that's reasonable. Um, the other thing is like that I thought was hilarious. I cannot tell you how rare it is to actually get a permanent modifier to your character in this game that is not from a level up and that persists through a long rest. One of the only ones I have found that is like, this is now just a permanent extra thing that your character has forever uh, is basically just your kinky. You get it from finding the priest of BDSM and letting him beat you up and passing a constitution save and then telling him that he's pathetic because he didn't hurt you enough. And then you get a permanent modifier for the rest of the game that gives you an attack bonus when you're below 25% wow. health. I found, I found <laughs> a different one, actually, if you want me to share. Um, 
that if you let Volo attempt to remove the oh uh, yeah, I reloaded the, that. I yeah, reloaded you, that. This is graphic. If you if you're <laughs> upset at graphic stuff, if you let Volo attempt in his clear, scientific you wisdom, you don't know who Volo is as a yeah. non Forgotten Realms reader or anything. Yeah. This is like. A shit this is shitty austin powers from the late 80s and early 90s who yeah. would like in character write the like incorrect bard accounts of parts of the forgotten realms yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. he, he is, is not a sexing it up yeah right he's not a, a capable human being full of shit he tells yeah. you that he can fix your problem and cure you of your uh brain worm and if you allow him to do that he tries to use an ice pick to get at it through your eye socket which in uh, <laughs> i thought was great i just let it happen he destroys your eye uh but then as an apology he gives you a magical fake eye that gives you a permanent sea invisibility buff so, yeah. so my dragonborn bard has sea invisibility and has had that since act one which is actually super helpful when you are uh needing to do perception checks you do get disadvantage on on regular perception checks though because you have yeah, it's it's like Vampire the Masquerade. I'm like, eh, you know, there's some ups and some downs. Everybody's got to have an eye patch. <laughs> this is like another thing that I really love about Baldur's Gate 3, which is that, and this is kind of like relative to where it sits among other RPGs on, you know, in video game form right now, which are so focused on giving you a, like, the idea is to make one number go up and that's like your power level in Diablo or destiny or, or and everything seems to be kind of following that um, mode. You're there to get loot and make this number go up. And that's kind of your whole job. And I think Baldur's Gate three, like the numbers are there. It's certainly possible to min max, yeah. but that I mean, is yes. so backgrounded. It's like, it's, it's really de-emphasized in the UI UX and in the whole experience. And all the kinds of items that you get, the magic items tend to have some weird little, you know, catch to them, or they're highly situational, or um, or they're just funny or weird or something like that. They're not like, oh, is this a straight upgrade? You know, I mean, I do love that it's really kind of rejecting that whole like power grind mentality that's sort of taken over. Uh, yeah, there's no RPG. there's no item level. No. Right. You do and, get there. You eventually do start seeing plus one items in Act Two. Oh, sure. Yeah. And they're yeah, there in yeah. they're there in Act One. But yeah. um, the way that the math works in Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition for people who aren't as familiar with it, um, especially if your previous experience is sort of the Neverwinter Nights games, where math was much more open ended, um, numbers are s- much much more intensely bounded in fifth edition where the most powerful magic items are like plus three. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's sort of like, that's a 15% difference to hit or not. And it, it's not going to make or break whether a character can function. And so you can make an interesting decision, an interesting trade-off between like, Oh, you know, I, I actually, I'm not going to use this plus one sword. I want this sword that makes you move faster after you hit with it or something like that. Right. Like Mm. there's interesting tactical choices to be made other than make number go up, which I think is a very strong point in, in this game's favor. There's even some items that are on a different curve from that. Like I think shields, like a plus one shield is as rare as a plus two weapon. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. There are extremely rare things. Yeah. And I think that, I think that also like, 
functionally, if you're playing it a certain way, like the the weapon with the biggest numbers is not the best weapon at any given time. Um, right. If you have certain skills, as as you pointed out, like the game's the game's very compressed in terms of of stat lines. But like the the most useful weapon I have, and I've used this weapon a thousand times, is the the throwing spear that returns to to the thrower after <laughs> you throw it. I fucking chuck that thing constantly. Yeah, I have it on Carlock with the with the upgraded enraged throw, and He's I'm just mad. launching that shit at people. And it's every time right back in the hand, throw it again speed potion throw it again throw it again throw it again like i could care less about a bigger axe or a two-handed hammer because i'm just just impaling everyone as i walk through these dungeons we haven't brought up carlock yet and she is the uh like manifestation of the lita ford song playing with fire <laughs> wow <laughs> well there, yeah there is there there are like almost like set bonuses that you can stack. Like uh, there's a lot of items in act one that deal with something called lightning charges. Yeah. They have some sets of sort of like custom made materials that sort of uh, they're, they're not standard D and D items. They sort of only exist in this game and they're, they're all thematically related. Like at some point, a crazy gnome inventor lived around where act one is and has lost Mm -hmm. all their weird items, but you can go around and find them and they can make you be full of lightning. Yeah, but one of them which which, or no, an unarmed uh, like fighting style monk set exists. I've got a couple pieces of it. I don't really have anybody that makes sense for, but I'd love to try it out. But one of them, which I used on Gale for a while, is there are several items that just benefit from lighting yourself on fire. (laughs) If If you're on fire and taking fire damage, your spells just do ring of immolation. I think is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So like Gail is on fire all the time and Shadowheart's just topping him up constantly with her her bonus action like baby heal. And like yeah, it's it's really funny some of the, the combinations you can make. Um This is and you know, from uh Larian's other games, they you know, the the like coating surfaces with different liquids is important in in, in uh tactics here. So, you know, starting grease fires, um I quite like doing that. Um, but, you know, <laughs> water's reactive to electricity. And- That's a hell of a sentence for the record. Just- yeah. Well, there's even, so there's a... Grease fire. There are places I've found where you actually have to, like, grease a machine to get it to move, <laughs> too, which is I mean, like... I mean, tell me that you just yeah. throw a grease bottle at the machinery and that yes. works. That's how that's, that's how I'm I did so it. happy. That's yep. how WD forty works. You can exactly. also just pass you can also just pass like a DC thirty strength check to get it working. But if you just grease it, it turns into like a DC ten. Um which yeah, like DC thirty oh, is so cool. almost impossible. But I bet that yeah, they have a, a lot of good stuff stuck, like that. There's, there's a, a really stuck, uh, safe door. I, I bet you could grease it and it would be uh, easier oh, to open. Oh yeah, I bet there is. Yeah, I, I just had Carlac rip that off, but adding, yeah, that's what I did too. Probably, probably <laughs> I'm, could. I'm just adding that into the brain, into the next playthrough. It's like, oh yeah, throw grease yeah. at that door. Why not? I do think that it's nice that they cut down a little bit from D from um from Divinity Two on the um necessity of coating everything in in poison and then igniting it for uh, massive. Uh, CPU destroying explosions. Yeah, um, they they much better integrated that material into sort of the fifth edition rules by making yeah. it 
work in interesting ways. I, I do like that it does a lot of stuff that you couldn't do in a tabletop game, right? Like it would be a pain in the ass to always track all the grease that everyone was making every round in tabletop D&D. But here it's great. You're making you're actually making real use of the affordances provided to you by being on a CPU. Um, and they did stuff like uh, incorporate the weight of a creature into the fall damage calculation, right? So yeah. the heavier something is, the more damage it's dealt by a fall and also the more damage it deals when it falls on something. So you get stuff like, oh, there's a spider you fight early on. It's like a giant fucking spider. Well, you you burn the web out from underneath it when it's crawling between two pillars and it takes like a third of its health and damage from falling. Um, and then you've also got the opposite in where people are like, I'm going to shapeshift and drew it into an owlbear and jump on people for 800 damage. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Oh jump God, off the, uh, castle prevailing, walls. That's the yeah, meta owlbear. right now is owlbear from yeah. the top rope. Yeah, yeah. which... Apparently they have they have taken into account the mass and the fall distance when they absolutely, calculate yeah. the damage. That's that is some dwarf fortress shit that I absolutely love. Oh my god! <laughs> and you can well, do it with objects too, right? Like uh, if if you want to play the barbarian, you can totally play WrestleMania barbarian in this, right? Um, you can't grab even, people, but you can like have a, yeah, throw they have things, an ability you can take chair. There's there is ex- explicitly a barbarian ability that you jump down on somebody and do damage based on how far you fell. There are, there are yeah. 12 Thibble Dwarf plant fans who are just furious that this game doesn't have a grapple mechanic. And they just want to climb up on a tower and launch themselves at shit the whole game and survive with a thousand toughness. I have a piece of footage that I've, uh, that yeah. I saved uh, for um, whatever video we wind up putting together, but it's just labeled mushroom Oppenheimer. Because I know exactly where yeah. that is. I know exactly where that is. Oh, man. Well, the other cool thing about this, and I mean, this isn't brand new to CRPGs, like notoriously the earlier fallouts, you could technically beat them without killing anyone. But I think you can talk your way out of almost every fight in this game, um, especially if you're playing as a bard, because they get special bard dialogue options that have a lower DC to bullshit uh, people i can confirm as a bard that you can <laughs> literally talk you can you can fucking rhyme your way out of the most insane fights and it's just like you just skibbly bop bop don't fight me this thing's cool and they're like whoa this man is spitting we're not fighting please come sit down with me like i, I bars think bars to bh like, yeah. I, I and almost, for those of you paladin enjoyers i think there's a paladin dialogue to turn almost anything into a fight there you go. <laughs> well, like Fraser wrote about this for PC Gamer, but I do think that like I, I played my first playthrough as a ranger just because I like my shooty elf girls. But uh, I think there is a good argument to be made that like if you're only going to play Baldur's Gate 3 once, the ideal playthrough to get the most of what is special about this game out of this game, I think you want to play a total like Chris Pine's character in honor among thieves, like a total charlatan bullshitter bard who just like somehow is able to talk their way out of being obliterated by a necromancer. Uh, I also love my, my favorite like uh, iteration of this is that there is a very difficult boss in act two that you can get to drink himself to death by challenging him to a drinking contest, I had Carlac do it, 
and she just has to pass enough constitution saves that he just falls over and dies. <laughs> like that's... You, can, you can also cause that to occur in combat with that same boss. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's uh, hilarious. It's, it's very cool. I, uh, I did most of the act two fights just like, fuck it, we're going guns blazing. And so the game was constantly like, hey, you know that like, you, you don't have to do this. Like I kept getting warnings on the screen. They're like, yeah. you've made people mad at you because you started a fight. And I was like, I know what the fuck I'm doing. That well, that thing looks like Ornstein and Smo. I am not here to have a yeah. conversation. Well, the, the, the doctor one, I just stood on the roof and threw fireballs through the hole in the roof and there was nothing he could do about yeah, it. I didn't even think he could have a conversation with the surgeon. I, no, I, just like, no, this is not good vibes. I, so like, I had a conversation with him and convinced him to let the nurses operate on him and they just took him apart. Oh, so, man. Yeah, it was pretty gory. I've just been wow. getting as much mileage out of hunger of Hadar as, as is humanly possible. Oh man! Look, Hadar's he's very hungry. He'd be hungry he's, he's boy. He's a hungry boy. Yeah, he really is. Um. Uh. Well, dang! What have we not covered yet? Is <laughs> what, are, what, are, what are we running? I mean, I know you're. I'm running a dragonborn bard, and then you're running an elf ranger. What elf, what elf the, ranger? The most vanilla of character. I know. I know. And I actually, just, it's really funny. How did you find it? Because the ranger is a notoriously dog shit class in first in fifth edition, and like to the point where in in like twenty twelve or thirteen, writing a review of the player's handbook, I was like, I don't know how they printed a class this dog shit as one of the first core classes. It's um, uh, once you get that second attack, it gets a lot better. I mean, I've also just been feeding all of the best items I find to my PC, so. Okay. That has helped, but I do think you should dip into fighter to get action surge because especially at level 12, uh, having two attacks per turn with your bow compared to what everyone else can do kind of sucks. So you probably just want that little bit of extra. OK, I can do three attacks with my bow this turn. All those yeah. uh, ma- all like the, all the magic arrows and stuff are extremely powerful, though, which They're is a great. Real you yeah. can be you can be Hawkeye. I have a stockpile of just arrows that do anything you can think of i can make darkness i can make fire i can do an acid splash on something that has really high ac because acid reduces their ac by two yeah god bless the uh the thunder wave or whatever the the oh the, my god the, the, <laughs> that arrow is the baller arrow the, the fight that everybody has been complaining about in the underdark i won't say what it is but there's like three really strong characters you have to fight. I just walked up to them out of combat with Gale and thunderwaved all three of them into the lava. Yeah. And then just clean, cleaned up their minions. It's like, yeah, there's no one. Like if there's somebody isolated that you can sneak up on and push them off a ledge before you start the fight, do it. Like almost every fight, like even if you can't talk your way out, there's some way you can make this a lot easier before everybody realizes what's going on. So, you know. That that one where Jahara kept dying, I can tell you it is possible. I'm not going to spoil how, but the the Moonrise fight where Jahara joins you, it is possible to show up and have only five enemies in that room. Huh. I was just trying to see how much can I sabotage this place before I assault it? Because the first time I got my ass kicked and I was like, mm, OK, how how lopsided can I make this battle? By just like skulking around and like fucking with people and convincing them to leave or like, oh, can I ask you? Can can you 
I need to ask this because I was curious. If you cast sleep while stealthed on a person who is in the very back of a room, does that alert other people in the room? I haven't tried that. That's a good question. I'm unsure. Yeah, there's a lot of stealth tactic stuff. And it's interesting for me to say I'm unsure because I've spent a lot of time fucking around with yeah. those kinds of combos just to see what does and doesn't trigger mm. stuff. And I I think that that might be one of the most appealing things to me as a sort of tactics head about this game. It's just like there are a lot of really great choices you can make in any given combat and weird ways to approach stuff and like oh i bet they're gonna try and escape through that door i'm gonna put a bunch of boxes in front of it mid-fight <laughs> is that sort of a, like a like a quote a waste of one of the characters turns to be like moving boxes around yes however now there are boxes in front of that door and they are not getting away like it's also can... a good way to block reinforcements yeah like you are no no you can't like you know there's friends in the next room that are going to notice. Oh, you have your mage use arcane lock on the door. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you're trapped in here with me, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, there's, like, you can literally do, like, Hitman, like, Agent 47 shit. Like, you can send a character who is not particularly strong to go, like, start pawing through a box that's, like, marked as red, which is, like, if you take from this, you're going to be considered stealing. The guard comes over... And is like, hey, don't do that. You talk your way out of it so that they don't take you to jail. But now that guard, you've lured them close enough to a cliff that you can have your barbarian come up behind them and push them off. Like, I'm just amazed at like the shit you can get away with. <laughs> I was I was a little annoyed when I was trying to metal gear solid um, through the rafters of a castle. Yes. And even yeah. though I had a Sterian instantly executioner kill one of the archers in the rafters uh, with no one else up there, when his body hit the floor below, everyone knew where I was. Yeah, it's it's a it's like a rule that like it does not matter what level you are or how many hit points you have. Or how important you are to the story. If you have two legs and I can push you down a big enough hole, you are dead. It's just over. You're dead. <laughs> you could tough. be a story boss with like 300 HP. And as long as you're not like attached to the ground or you can fly. Don't forget, though, that also can... <laughs> applies to you. Yes, yes. it does. Uh, and, uh, which I've loved <laughs> playing on the tactician difficulty, which is sort of the highest one, right? Um, I've noticed jumping back and forth between tactician in one game and standard in another i've noticed extreme ai differences and one of them is if you're playing on tactician and the enemy spots a 30 percent chance to push you into a pit and have you instantly die they will go for it oh yeah yeah like actually now. that that's happening a lot in standard for me there was a fight Same. in the underdark yeah. oh if you um, think it happens in, a lot in, in standard i suggest playing some tactician okay, yeah. because they will exploit every opportunity that there is to push you into an infinitely deep hole or into lava. It turns out too. they, yeah. they lava don't, they don't distinguish. never stand also, by I that. Found, um, yeah. I found that shadow heart in particular has a weird habit of wandering through magma or lava. Okay. When, I thought that was just me. She no. just does not jump over lava. She's like, you know what? I'm just going to take this. I think, yeah. I think it's a bug. The lava area around the adamantine forge. I don't think that it's programmed properly for you to path around it. Everyone like else every, gets through fine. Just shadow heart falls nobody, in lava every, and Halson falls through the ground. Yeah, no, I had everybody walk through it. I was okay. maybe playing on an earlier build. Maybe they've fixed it for everyone but shadow heart. <laughs> 
It could be yeah. observer bias. I don't know. She's just gotten melted way more than any of the other yeah. uh, there, members there, of my there party. Are, there are certain lava areas that for some reason are not programmed for your party members to path around it, which the pathing path usually works pretty well. So that's the only annoying thing is if you switch characters without ungrouping everyone, suddenly everyone will run toward the character that that's you just annoying. selected. And, that and there are some things. Bad things. There's yeah. a couple <clears throat> I've noticed this thing kind of pop up in combat a lot where yeah. if you want, like if you just click on the enemy that you want to attack, if it involves a move to that model or that, that <laughs> character, um, it's not the AI isn't great at selecting a position. So it'll send, you know, a character the long way around to kind of join a assault on a particular character so I've had to just manually move them and then select the attack. Um, not a big deal, but yeah, it just, it doesn't pick locations optimally. So sometimes, you know, I'll, you know, ask, Hey, can I attack this character from where I'm standing? It'll say no, but only because it's taking this sort of yeah, weird yeah. track around everybody else to the opposite side of the character I'm trying to attack. A lot of not times a big deal again, that. but yeah. Yeah. A lot of times with offhand attacks or um, flourish attacks, if you have those, it will tell you that it's out of range if you're just clicking on the enemy, but you can actually walk in range and 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 get those. So if you're finding that that attack often says that it's out of range, just uh, just try manually moving right next to the target. Uh, you could press the O key, and I found that helps a lot with with getting your character like right up against somebody. Yeah, well, I don't have anything else in my notes. Was there anything anyone else wanted to hit? In I'm terms? just curious as to what like what party people are running and how they're using it. So my my party is almost always my ranger plus Carlac. So I think ranger that, barbarian. Yeah, like that has been very consistent. And then once I got Halson, he's semi-permanent member there's a couple things i swap him out for and then my fourth slot's kind of a wild card i think i typically have gale just because the utility of a higher level wizard is so immense for not just combat but so many other things i think you should always have like a wizard or a sorcerer with you um and uh but if gale's not there um i'm usually just bringing whoever the quest I'm doing right now pertains to. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think that as a, as a consummate final fantasy and Japanese role-playing game player, um, I am conditioned to swap out my party m members religiously. So mm -hmm. I have no set party. I just swap out characters every single, every time I get to a benchmark point, in my opinion, where I'm like, okay, I've had a couple fights, I've done a couple things, I got some items, I swap characters, send all the extra gear to the camp uh, gearbox that I have bags in with everything sorted out, go in there with, go back to camp, swap my party out, go to the box, make sure I have the gear that I want, whatever's, you know, new stuff I've picked up. And then I head out and with, 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 with whatever that party is, I, I actually have found that I don't use Gale that much, not because he isn't incredibly useful. He is. I just don't care for him. Um, his oh, no. banter <laughs> is not great compared to a lot of the other characters. If you put Shadowheart and Carlock in a party, they're fucking killing it. Um, yeah. They're great. 
incredible, incredible bands. Um, so, so if anything, I've, I've actually had Will in there a lot because Will is very funny. And because both he and I have a, a missing fake eye, he, he's like, yo, <laughs> he's like, what's up, one-eyed brother? And I'm like, oh my God, Will, I love you. This is so oh, great. It's uh, really, there's just get, so many barks. I love it. Did you get the other possible, I'll just say cosmetic change for Will? Uh, yes. I did. I yes, did. I did. <laughs> yep. Okay, I, I wonder. It seems like everybody did did that. Path. It's very easy to get if you're playing a good playthrough and also yeah. like large muscle women. So, uh, yeah. you know, ninety three percent of the human population <laughs> is going to have that happen. I think. Well, that's true because you can't even get you can't even recruit Carlac if you don't do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've been running. So my party is my. I've got a uh, half drow warlock. Mm. Um, and Yep. Um. Who's so the Drizzt guy now? <laughs> right. Um, but but very much uh, the sort of Chris Pine character doesn't have a whole lot of, he's just not great in a fight and is more uh, really useful as a, as like talking our way out of situations. So it's uh, him plus Shadowheart for healing. He's a uh, Shar cleric. Um, and then, so, and then the other two, it's the, the other two slots are one dedicated to large muzzle women. So either Lazel or Carlac, and then uh, we're kind of hosting tryouts for slot four, and that kind of you know rotates between Will and Gale. Um, wow! So this is really interesting to me. Yeah, what's your party? I was uh, so I've got my main character is a dwarf paladin, which I need to talk about. Dwarf asterisk. I'm putting an asterisk after that. Um, what 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 oath did you do? Ancients, right? So he's like okay. a dwarf nature paladin. He's like mountains are cool. You should leave them alone. Um, <laughs> Which is my sort of permanent permanent emotional reaction to mountaintop removal having happened during my (laughs) lifetime. Uh, And so I've got a Dwarf Oath of Ancients Paladin, which I've been really satisfied by the sheer amount of not just class dialogue, but subclass dialogue for playing that that specific third of the Paladin experience. Um, And I have Gale and Will and Shadowheart, and I've got Will sort of respect uh he's still a warlock but he has a dip in rogue so that he can sneak around and steal things and uh, ambush people um he's sort of set up to be good at that as is so i've got him doing that and then i leave everyone else at camp because mm-hmm. i was like well i'm gonna play this game more than once so like next time i'll bring all these other people and it's hard to leave carlock at camp i think we can all agree mm-hmm. but she's so delighted anytime you say that she gets to come on the adventure she's like fuck yeah yeah a hundred percent a bro she's she just is, there she is the literally an engine powered bro yeah i love her is, so is cool. one of my favorite party members in any crpg at this point likewise like, i'm uh yeah diehard carlax sam that's this is, also the other great thing about her is uh, and this is in the trailers so i'm not going to consider this a spoiler but you do be Two party members from the previous Baldur's Gate games uh, later on in the story. And Carlac is the biggest fangirl. She's like, holy shit, that's Jahara. Oh, my God. This is the best day of my life. <laughs> like, I had a chance to apologize to Jahara. Like, you'll have to excuse my colleague, uh, Carlac, here. And she actually giggles. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like she she's like a Baldur's Gate one and two fan in. Yeah, yeah well, she's like a she grew up in the city as a kid. Right. Yeah. So like she's heard all the stories about the cool folk heroes and it's really yeah. hard to being conscripted into the battles yeah. of hell. Yeah. Well, yeah. Shit happens. 
I was yeah. surprised by how many party members you continue to get after, you know, I'm not going to say whomst or what the names are, but like, it, I did not do any sort of pre-playing research because I, I was like, I was like, I've watched Swin do some some videos of this. I've watched a couple of the previews. I don't need to play this. I didn't play early access because I already knew I'm going to love this game. I'm actually surprised at how many characters are still joining my camp. I'm just like, oh, fuck yeah, yeah I got more people. That feels like Final Fantasy VI. Well, and there's even I found out like two days ago, I already had 110, 115 hours in this game. There's a there's a, an exclusive party member that you can only get if you do an evil playthrough. There's, yeah, absolutely. There's a, one of the three people you're supposed to kill, one of the three bosses in Act One can become a party member if you yep. help her do war crimes. Yeah. <laughs> and I had no idea. I'm like, what's her thing? Is she going to have a whole quest, too? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking yeah. The answer to that is yes. <laughs> she did is you, also gonna have a whole ass quest. Did you did you do the war crimes or you just know that she I does? just I know she does, oh, yeah. Okay. From talking to people who have done the war the war crimes. So I was also, there, say, there's the a way to get away with that stuff. Against the Druids, that would there's be a way weird. to get away with uh doing that. Well you can kill a lot of those druids and still be a proper oath of the ancients paladin. <laughs> no spoilers or anything, but oh yeah, I some druids are dicks. Some 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 druids are not as uh, not as uh, yeah. But my other character is a great old one warlock, so okay, that's yeah. gone off the rails real quick. I, I want to do the I want to do the protector of life dark urge run next. Oh, uh, see, that's that's very wholesome, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, if I'm, you don't like Gale, for the record, anyone who's playing this and it's like, I hate Gale and I I dislike him in every way because he's like <laughs> sort of smarmy, but also he's the highest charisma core party camp member, um, and therefore like is useful, but he's sort of nice, but I kind of hate him. Anyways, if you hate Gale, start a dark urge run. Just just play to the part where you meet Gale. No spoilers. It'll be really. Mean really satisfying for you if you hate Gale. I, I want to jump in, John, because if you play as a Dark Urge Dragonborn, there's a special choice in that as well. Yeah, no, um, to be clear, it needs to be the default Dark Urge. Yeah. So, so yeah, my friends are running a four Dark Urge multiplayer. Oh, game. my God. Wow. <laughs> um, and they are, they have almost killed every single person in Act 1. So they're no, like that's problem now. Like yeah. the, the world is facing is there. Yeah, no, you can totally do that though. You like can. I love. Yeah. yeah. You, need, you can you can march into Act Two as the biggest problem that that this region has faced. Like get JK Simmons to record more stuff where he's the protagonist. Oh my god, that would be amazing. I gotta stop these fucking dragons. He's so good. Like, man, he is so good. He's great. Uh, I mean, shout he's out to JK because man, that shit rule. Right. His voice acting is incredible. Yeah, well, and I, I I was gonna say this before we wrapped up. I but uh, uh, Amelia Tyler, Tyler, who's the narrator, is yeah. Just, oh yeah. Uh, she was in Divinity Original Sin too, but uh, yeah, just a hundred percent so good. Uh, <laughs> it really really adds a lot to the game too. Uh, yeah, she's she's so incredibly good. talented. And you can was subscribe a, to her YouTube channel and see her outtake videos, and they're really good. They're, they mistake. are. Was it a was it a PC Gamer article that was talking about how she specifically makes people makes you make evil decisions in this game because she always sounds so amused by the idea that you're going to do the worst thing possible. Yeah, she yeah. does. Like, that's <laughs> some really funny things to say. Delight, but, yeah, like her it. delivery is just like, well, 
yes, you certainly could do that if you were some kind of maniac. Where it's like, yeah, I'd like, like oh, to see you try it. Yeah. I am some kind of maniac, my friends. Yeah. I don't think you could beat that guy in a fight. Oh, I'm just a little guy. I'm just a little guy. <laughs> and it's my birthday. That's the that's the that's actually why I would encourage people to not play the uh the bard on their way through is because so much uh-huh. of the game will be swallowed up by be- you being like, oh, I'm just a little guy. <laughs> you don't fight me. It really is. So I'm like, I'm like drinking potions of colossal might so that my dragon board is like twice as big as every other character. And then I get in a fight and I'm like, I'm just a little guy. Don't fight me. Ooh. This is who you're being mean to when you're being mean to me. Uh, <laughs> It makes me want to play through as a gnome for no other reason than to All see right. so, what happens. Gnomes, dwarves, and halflings. You can play through this game as gnomes, dwarves, and halflings. Gnomes and halflings have a whole suite of options available to them because they can fit through small cracks in things, which we talked about a little bit earlier. The funniest, most satisfying thing in this video game. I'm playing as a dwarf, okay? Dwarves are not tall. They're barrel shaped they're badass um <laughs> disappointingly there's no dwarf companion i i sort of have an issue with the yeah, diversity weird. choices they made with who the core companions are because it's a really narrow slice of D characters and i feel like the previous games had a much broader suite of options mm-hmm. um right like anyways what i'm trying to say here is um if you're playing as a gnome a dwarf for a halfling you can't you can't reach items on top shelves. Oh, no. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. You have to get a human party member to get them for you. Or you can, dra- you can drag a box over there and stand on it. Or you have it. to stand on a crate. Get a little steppy stool. Get a little steppy stool. That's a boost. That's so funny. I can't stand how funny oh, it is. Could probably, I bet you could convince Will to get on all four, or convince Gale to get on all fours and stand on his back. Oh man, that dude's that already is, a rug. Like that—that that is. Will such... would lift you up under the armpits. Will would. That's... Will would just like yeah. Will would put you on his shoulders. So would Carlock. Oh man, and that's like such a perfect encapsulation of like the way Larian thinks. Like, like they they have thought about all of this little stuff that just well, like it makes thing, sense. I don't, I don't know that they necessarily thought about it. I think that they they thought about it in that they they built this engine from the ground up as uh-huh. a sort of immersive sim esque engine where like yeah. things just sort of work the way they work, and that's just a natural outgrowth, right? Like the point that your character grabs from corresponds to I don't know their head height or their center of gravity, and so yeah, you you can't reach things that are up there. You just can't do that. Oh my god. But every it's, time it happens, so like my guy will walk around in little half circles to try and get to an optimal position and then he'll just stop. He'll just be like, no, I can't actually reach that man. And I'm like, you're a badass, but you can't get that bottle down. Oh. So um I love this game. By the time this comes out, you'll know that I gave it a 10. I, I this is my favorite CRPG since Dragon Age Origins, which was 14 years ago. Um yeah, I, I, it's it's really it really is it's something else. It's and I, yeah, this is the rare for me. Also, this is the rare CRPG that I I will straight up recommend to fans of strategy and tactics games. Um, if you don't like the story stuff, if that doesn't compel you, you don't have to actually pay that much attention to it. Just make your choices and keep moving. Um, 
but the the actual moment to moment tactical battles the tactician difficulty is very satisfying without being too brutally difficult uh if you start to sort of figure out the ins and outs of the game system and how the fights work there there are a lot of cool tactical choices to make like yeah i think i can take these guys if we can sneak our way back there into a a high ground position where we're going to get advantage on our attacks it and i just think it's so it's so rare for me to be like yeah actually i i i full stop recommend this crpg to everyone i know i know i don't really do that my my guests will all recommend it on our own merits i think that um my recommendation for this game is coming from a person who worked uh, blue collar work for most of his life. If you don't have the time to to meet up with people for a party of D&D, like I have not had for many years, and you don't have the ability to sit down and read through the player's handbook or, or you know, or it's financially unviable for you to play D&D because you got to buy all these books and dice and whatnot. This is a this is a killer option. This is the option. And also, hopefully someone makes a mod for people to play with their kids because I actually think that's rather untapped potential um, because I, I know that like my brother would love to play this with his daughter and it's just a little bit graphic for her, but I think that that's truly untapped potential given how much of this game exists. Yeah. Uh, and I, just to echo the rest of you, I mean, I... It, full-throated endorsement for this this is the definitive way to play dungeons and dragons on the computer right now i can't think of anything else that captures that experience um nearly this well and it is a very um, strong co-op game as well i've been playing it uh with a friend in split screen on uh, mm-hmm. on the big tv in my mm-hmm. living room um and we've been doing a sort of like chaos idiot run um, where I'm playing, I'm playing a that that's that normal D and D. I think great one warlock, and uh, he's playing an angry dragonborn barbarian lady, and sort of throwing things at people. It's like how much of this game can we play through only throwing things, um, a lot. which it turns out to be a lot. Yeah, and it is functional. It's very wheel based. It doesn't have the smoothness and flexibility of the PC interface for sure. Things mm-hmm. do take just a little bit longer, but it works quite well. I'm surprised at how well it works. Nice. Well, yeah, I think that's that's a pretty unanimous recommendation um, for Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, anybody have anything they wanted to plug really quick before we wrap up? If you catch me in Berlin, it's probably at a bar. Leave me alone. <laughs> uh, sign up for Blue Sky. Yeah, sign up for Blue Sky. <laughs> I, I have an invite right now so that no, nobody has claimed yet. So, uh, uh, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and claim it for the three moves ahead Blue Sky account. I'm going to be really sh- That's that's kind of what I was planning idea. to do with this one. Because right now uh, they've I mean, Twitter is just so fucked up at this point. They're getting rid of blocking. <laughs> tweet, block deck is, tweet deck's behind a paywall now. It's like he wants to make a stronger version of mute. It's like that's what block was. It was the stronger version of mute where I also say fuck you on the way out. Uh, that's <laughs> It's like so. a hyena giving birth to a knoll, but it's social media. <laughs> oh my god! Um, Speaking of the last people, it's okay to be racist against. Fuck knolls, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, they do—they depict them as kind of demons and not like sentient kind. That is, yeah, sort of fifth uh, edition knoll uh, yeah. lore. Well, yeah. and I mean, the hyenas. Nobody has like that's 
like you can't make oh, a nature hyenas. documentary and have any kind of like sympathy for hyenas. They <laughs> hyenas suck. are sweet. They're just big huh? doggies. Hey, I like hyenas. Know, they got big the heads. Hyenas, the hyenas in Lion King were the working class. They were, yep. you know, being exploited by yeah. Scar for his Anytime political ends. You side against Whoopi Goldberg, you're a monster. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, put that um, out there. <laughs> what a great way to wrap up the Baldur's Gate podcast. I don't have time to fact check that. I'm thinking back to every Guinan episode of Star Trek to know if that holds <laughs> up. But um, yeah, so Three Moves Ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can check us out at idlethumbs.net slash 3MA. Uh, we have a Patreon. Uh, we're supported by listeners like you. Patreon.com slash 3MA. We got you know, a community multiplayer. We got our discord server. We got bonus episodes. We just did one on Pentiment. We're going to be doing some games that are not tactics and strategy games, but have a historical lining to them. Um, as, as one of our ongoing things that we do for patrons uh, and Pentiment was the first of those, uh, <clears throat> thank our Patreon producers, including Mark M and Bucktown, the party whip of, multiplayer rts sessions um and uh what am i missing i don't i don't even want to say follow us on twitter at this point i can't i can't even i don't have tweet deck so i can't even see if you messaged us on twitter anymore so i don't follow us on blue sky i'll we'll figure that out before (laughs) before the next episode (laughs) um yeah so uh For Brian, Andy, and Anjo, and this is Len saying goodnight.